Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Get an in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears' next opponent and John Buffone's passionate rants on Buffone 55 Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. Welcome to another episode of Greg Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and the handsome gentleman beside me is, of course, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You got a little booster shot this morning? About an hour and a half ago. Well, are you feeling any stronger? <laughs> booster? Well, if I, you know, if I keel over here, just call 911. <laughs> Well, that's the first thing I'll do. Oh, gosh. Well, how are, how are you feeling after this, uh, I don't know how to describe it, demoralizing Bears defeat, a controversial Bears defeat? Uh, how are you feeling? Controversial might be the apropos word. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, um, hey, look, at in the standings, they lost the game. You either win or you lose. There's no really no ties or very few ties in this league anymore. They lost the game, mm-hmm. but that one was stolen from them. And as I, I tweeted out last night, well, there's there a couple things. I had, you know, a conversation this morning, uh, a, um, again, a text conversation. Okay. See that the, the, the COVID boosters kicking in. I can't remember what the hell I'm doing for one second. Of that. I had a text conversation with a guy and I just said, you know, it, it, it's hard enough that you got to beat another team, but when mm-hmm. you got to beat the officials too, that makes it even more difficult. And I said, you know, you, you could accept it if there's bad calls on both sides. Mm-hmm. 
but there wasn't. All the calls were one-sided, and there were very few penalties. I don't have the stats up, but very few penalties called against Pittsburgh, period. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but when you look at some of the big calls, it cost the Bears a touchdown. That, that call against Daniels mm-hmm. was atrocious. First of all, he was within the t- tackle box, so the block he was trying to make was perfectly legal. Second, yeah, that play right there. Second, he look at that. I mean, he's he's not outside the tackle. And right. second, he missed the block. He whiffed. So there's no penalty. And that was a touchdown. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's a difference in the game. Then some of the other calls, the pass interference on Johnson on that mm-hmm. deep ball, that was if anything, it was offensive pass interference. Yep. But really. Should have been a no call, you know, reality. Uh, and the the taunting call? Give me a freaking break on that one. Let's talk about, well, I want to talk about all those calls, but the taunting call, of course, is what everyone in the national media is uh, talking about. First of all. I think, I think all of the, they're talking about the whole game. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've listened to some national shows and, and, and read some stuff, and I don't think I've seen a soul that is pro-Pittsburgh on the officiating from last night. Everybody's saying, which you never see, that the, the Bears had a game taken away from them. They got totally hosed. Mm-hmm. But, hey, they did. So, but go ahead, because I, I want to get into another thing, but we can do that in a little bit. Yeah, so what I want to say is that there were 10 taunting calls last year. And before that, there were nine in 2019. Now we are already up to 27. And we got half the season to go. And with half the season to go, the league, I guess uh, the competition committee, and correct me if I'm wrong, which is comprised mostly of NFL coaches. Is that correct? No, coaches and GMs. Okay. After the Super Bowl, there was a no taunting call called on a player who was waving his finger or no, had uh, two fingers up to Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl game. And there was no call. And so that motivated the officials to get together and make this rule where all of the taunting is now amplified. They made it a, 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 a I think the word point is of a, emphasis. Yes. Point of emphasis. That's the, that's the word. Do you think you've played this game at very high levels? You've been in administrative offices. You know the NFL better than just about anyone on planet Earth. Do you think that this point of emphasis is necessary? No. Well, here's the thing. We talked about it two months ago. Yes, we did. Is Generally speaking, when you have a point of emphasis going into a preseason, they're real hard with it during the preseason to make the point. Right. But right. then once kickoff starts with a regular season, kind of goes away unless it's really bad. That has not been the case with this one rule this year. And, you know, the, Marsh, you keep looking at the replay, and, I mean, he did nothing wrong in that. He got his ass reamed, too, by one of the coaches on the sideline. Mm-hmm. You know, which – 
he probably didn't deserve, but I, you know, you understand what goes on on the sideline. Absolutely. All the emotion. And so somebody was going to take it out on him. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, 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 it's too bad. I mean, that, that was a game. The way it started off, it was typical, slow, got in a hole, had to play from behind. But then, you know, they came back and they came back pretty strong. Still, to me, the the, the offense is getting better every week. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes too long for them to get going, but they still come back. They've gotten better. They have improved. The running game's better. The passing game in the last two weeks has gotten a lot better. But what concerns me now is the defense. This is now three games in a row where the defense hasn't been up to par. Now they had some good plays yesterday, but it just hadn't been up, you know, to what we expect. Number one in Chicago, right. number two, like they were playing earlier in the season. Well, Khalil Mack is hurt and Eddie Jackson was missing. And as you pointed out last week, Eddie Jackson has a lot of responsibilities, which sometimes, uh, is overlooked because of his uh, poor tackling. And so those are two big reasons, I think, why the defense hasn't played well. And then somebody said uh, in the chat here. Uh, and was out too, and, and he said, you know, if you like him or hate him, he still had a hell of, he's had a very strong season. Yes, he has. Ryan Crawford, I think, makes a really good point. He says the defense started playing harder when the offense showed some life. I'm not one to blame uh, the refs, but that flag was terrible. He should, the referee should be suspended. But I agree with Ryan. The first part of Ryan's comment there is that the offense, it appears to me, did inspire uh, a better play from the defense because that defense was really frustrated in the first half. Uh, and the fact that they were down only 14 to nothing uh, is, is 14 a tribute to their tribute to their resiliency, in my opinion. Now, it, that doesn't negate some of the dumb penalties they committed. For instance, lining up offsides. And that was... There were, I think, three non-calls on the Bears lining up offsides, including Cassius uh, Marsh lined up a couple of times offsides that I thought went undetected by the officials. So I they saw one, one where uh, Gibson was lined up offsides. But yes, yes. saying that, you got to be careful because the angle of the camera sure. can make a guy look, unless you're dead straight on mm-hmm. the line. Now, I, I, I played in games where officials – you know, they'll, they'll warn you. Mm-hmm. They'll say, hey, 54. You know, just to let them know. And, and, and you know, obviously they're not doing that because they because they do it with the offensive players too. And, right. and, and the offensive players, a lot of times the wide receivers, he'll look over at, at the official and say, am I okay? You know, on where he's, is he lining up offsides? Mm-hmm. You know, so – I mean that you're right. That one's on the player. How you can line up offsides is, is beyond me. And and you know, jumping offsides is beyond me too for a defensive player. Move on the freaking snap. Period. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the ball, you see the ball move a little bit, you you go. Right. Right. Let me get back to the uh so-called hip check 
uh, by uh, the the official. Do you believe this was really an intentional move by Carenti? Uh, they they cut it off there. I think it's coming up. You know, I, I I was reading about that this afternoon. There there's the coach giving <laughs> Marsh hell. Yeah, that's McGovern. Uh, oh, okay, I didn't know it was him. Yeah, and you know, I I did not see that. Mm-hmm. No, I you know I recorded the game last night, so I should stick it back on and take a look. But hey, regardless, it, it, awful calls. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I tweeted out last night. I said, and and this is before, you know, you mentioned pre-show that Nagy said, did Nagy, by the way, did Nagy even have a, a presser today? Yes, he did. Uh, when, when did he have, because I kept looking at the Bears' Twitter feed to see when it was, and I never saw anything come over. It was just before we went on, which oh, was okay, really okay. ridiculous. But here's, here's the so-called hip check coming up. Oh. That's ridiculous. He backed into him. That's right. That's exactly what he did. You know, he, he, and, and I, when I see stuff like that, I said, he, he's looking to call a penalty. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and like I said a little earlier, if you got bad calls going against both teams, you can live with it because it's even. But mm-hmm. when it's totally one-sided, that's horseshit. Excuse yep. my language. Yeah, well, please let, let it all out. This is the place to let it all out, Greg. Brummy Bear says so Aaron Rodgers can use profanities and make physical gestures to test to taunt Bears fans with no consequences, but Marsh doesn't say anything, doesn't make any gestures, and gets flagged. It's utter bullshit. Yeah, no, well, now let's be fair about the, the one thing with, with Rodgers that was against the fans off the field mm-hmm. over in the corner. Mm-hmm. The taunting penalty has nothing to do with fans. It has everything to do with opponents. Which I think it should include the fans. I mean, well, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Sure, I'm just saying what I, you know, as as the rule is written, that's what it is. Yes. So if he if he wants to say F you to the fans, mm-hmm. be my guest. And and hey, look at he wouldn't be the first. You can see guys oh, yeah. when you're when you're on the road. They start playing good, and they'll play right into the fans, and they know they're going to get booed and get stuff thrown at them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they love it. That's, that's and, part and, of the competitive nature of a football player. Absolutely. And some fans deserved an FU, but in that case, I don't think it. that's the, that's the case. In a very emotional situation, Rodgers sees some woman flip him off, and then he, he repeatedly says, I own you, and uses the F word. That to me was excessive, but let's forget about that. Let's get back to last night's Speaking game. Of, wait, 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 I want to bring up one thing. Speaking of fans, sure. did you watch any of the Northwestern game? No, I did not. Okay. Did you hear what happened at the Northwestern I game? did not, no. Where the hell have you been the last year? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was in the third quarter. It might have been the second quarter. The game stops for like three or four minutes. Because a group of students came on and they were protesting at around the 25, 30 yard line. And I didn't know what the protest was about. I tweeted out that the players should just go after them, chase them. They'll run like little babies. Right, right. You know, um, like you've seen, like in a baseball game or a football game, when one guy comes in, he usually gets laid out. They should have done that to these guys. And there's mm-hmm. probably 15 of them. But they were, their, their protest was 
the uh, defund the police. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, and, and I tweeted out, I go, where's either the Northwestern or the, and I didn't know that at the time it was, you know, like later on in the game that they said what it was about. But I, I was like, where's the Northwestern police or the Evanston police when this is going on? Yeah. Right. I mean, what, what took three, four, five minutes to get these people off the field? They should have been off the field in about 15 seconds. Exactly. And, and sitting in a paddy wagon. Mm-hmm. If Dick Butkus was on that field, he would have tackled those guys. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you've seen guys like that. But they kind of left them alone and had their thing. And then somebody goes, well, that's Northwestern. I don't care what school it is. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's uh, nowhere state. It does not yeah. matter. You don't go out into the field. You don't disrupt a, a game, no matter right. what your political right. cause is. Okay, I got that off my chest. But, you know. <laughs> All right. I think uh, enough about the officials. I think you and I and everybody on planet Earth and some, in fact, a lot of Steelers. Well, well, one, one other thing you, you mentioned that, that – Nagy said he's going to be sending tape to. Yeah, let's league, talk about which that. You will. But I said last night on Twitter that they'll get a phone call or an email from from the league saying, "Yeah, there were some bad calls," and tell them which calls they are. But it doesn't mean shit. Game's over. They lost the game. Mm-hmm. So all that does is say, "See, we were right." But it, it doesn't. Now, if 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 they if you had some penalties that were bogus penalties that changed the outcome of the game. And in my opinion, there's a minimum of 10 points that could have gone the other way. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Now, if, if they had reversed the game, Mm -hmm. say bad penalties, bears should have won this game. We're giving this game to the bears. Mm -hmm. You know what? You'd never see a bad call again. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. What do you think about my contention while we're on the topic of officials that the the league needs to bring in officials who are working 50 to 60 hours a week solely on NFL and not be plant managers, college professors, medical sales rep. These were the professions of the officials who were on the field last night. I I know exactly how it works. And and they do put in, in fairness, I don't know what you do 52 weeks of the year with these people. I really I got don't. an idea. I, I got an idea. Let them study tape. Let them study tendencies. Let them go over the, the rule book, as you know, is hundreds of pages long, and it right. gets thicker by the season. There are so many things that they can do to refine their jobs, work with different crew members in case that has to happen. Just go through. But, you know, they do have schools, and I'm not sticking up for them. Okay. But they, they do have schools that they have to attend during the summer. They each crew goes to a training camp that spends time at a training camp. And not only do they explain the new rules, but they officiate at practices, etc. So, you know, and that's on their vacation time and stuff, you know, from from their real job. But these guys get paid a lot of money now. I mean, the top guys are making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. In the NFL, that's what their uh, top official is making? A referee? Yeah, right. Oh, I didn't yeah. know it was that much. I thought it was yeah. like $150,000. No, I think there's – add a hundred to that. Now, I may be wrong, okay. but, you know, I, I heard that a long time ago. I heard that figure. Mm-hmm. 
I'll look into that, uh, and we'll talk about that in a future show because I know the officiating is just going to be a, a, a topic that's going to come up over it's and a over. Topic, it's going to be a topic every game. But when you get a nationally televised game, now here's the thing, too. Not only were you and I and every Bears fan upset, the Monday Night Football crew was like, what the fuck is going on here? Were, yes, <laughs> which is something you rarely see. <laughs> I know. And, and Greasy, who hates the Bears. Yes, he does. Even he was the biggest asshole I've ever met. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I could go on about that. I, you no, know, I, I, won't give Greasy, I, won't, I won't give Greasy the time of day. If okay. he walked in the room right now. And I love Lewis Riddick. I've worked with Lewis. So he's a great guy. But Greasy, you can have him. But anyway, he, even he, like the block on, on, um, they got called the phantom block. James Daniels. James Daniels got, even Greasy said, what is this one? Yep. And, and you're never going to hear something positive out of him when it comes to the bears. Unless he, you know, it's really outrageous to him. Mm -hmm. I I'm totally with you. Um, what about Lewis Riddick, just as a, a, an aside here? Do you think he would make a good NFL general manager? He's been no, interviewed. No. no, did you say? No. Okay, tell me why. That's why he hasn't gotten a job. I mean, you know, he, he's great at what he does. And I love Lewis. He's very knowledgeable. His ceiling is... He was a director of pro personnel for the Eagles. I think it was the same job with uh, Washington. I think that's a ceiling as far as, you know, front office executive, director of player personnel. But I, I do not think it's real easy to second guess and to say stuff on TV because 95% of the audience you're talking to don't know what the hell's going on to begin with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so, oh, yeah, he sounds great. And and Lewis comes across great. He's very, very intelligent, very well-spoken. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's talking about. But that's not being a GM. Look at, you know, prime example, Matt Millen. One of the worst GMs in the history of the NFL. Uh, why did he, he get that job? Oh, because, because he was great in the broadcast booth. Right, right, right. That, and and, and uh, I think the mistake there by the Lions is that after a couple of years, they should have realized he was terrible at his job. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, but, but he had all the answers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, and like, say, I've, I've known Lewis since he was a safety at Pitt. Mm -hmm. I worked him out, you know, coming out when I was working for the Giants. How about and, that? And, and, that, and, you know, we were pretty close when I was working for Philly. We were at an all-star game together down in Texas for like three days. We drove in the same car, a lot of great conversations. You know, I, I just, I really like the guy and uh, you know, what happened to him in Philly? I don't think he deserved that. I think he's uh, too good of a person and too talented a person, but I personally do not think he's a GM. Mm. I don't think I'm a GM. I think I, you know, do I think I could hold my own with some of the people that are, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But does that mean that I'd be really good at it? You know, there's a lot of things that go on now that weren't going on when I was working full time in the league and, and, and I'm not up to speed on, not up to date on. Do you think Ryan Pace is a good general manager? You know, that, that, 
I can go up and down that. He's done good things. He's done some poor things. And, and people say, well, it's personnel moves. Well, who made the move to get Justin Fields? Ryan Pace. Uh, you're right. And who had the balls to make that move? Ryan Pace. Okay. And, and he kept it quiet. Now, everybody knew he was going to probably try to do something. Nobody thought he could get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he doesn't even make the call till the day of the draft. Mm-hmm. That's how, you know, he, which usually, you know, usually you can set these things up because, you know, I've been involved in these calls and, you know, three, four days bef- before the draft, you know, if we were looking to trade down, I, I would, and we'd, we'd always have a, a line in the sand, so to speak, of how far we wanted to go down. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, basically, depending on, on how your board was set up. Okay. And so I'd call every one of those teams, you know, say it was eight spots. And, you know, we, we felt that you couldn't get a player that you wanted or that you coveted below that, you know, any lower than that thing. So you'd call those teams and all you would say is, hey, look, the guy we want may not be there. You know where we're picking. So, and if that's the case, we may want to move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, if you're interested, call us. And then nothing happens until the night of the draft. And trust me, you start getting phone calls. <laughs> you get a lot of phone calls. In well, fact, you get them now the year, the year we, and we might've talked about this in a previous show. You know, we let the cat out that we wanted to uh, move down in that draft when we took Devin Hester. Mm-hmm. And we had seven different trades going, but the calls were coming in so fast that it was almost impossible to, to really have time to think about which one was good and which one wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to think, you had to think on the fly. And, you know, Jerry said, and, and the Colts wanted the pick real bad. Uh, Buffalo wanted the pick real bad. We ended up making the trade with Buffalo and Jerry's like, well, which one, which one? And I'm going, Buffalo's the better one. And, and even though there was a higher pick, one higher pick involved with the Colts, mm-hmm. when you looked at the whole total package, Buffalo was, was, was the better one. And that's the one we took. And, and we got some pretty good players out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating story. Fascinating. So I, I, here's, I had a theory uh, going into well, uh, after the game last night, I said that if I, I really believe that Matt Nagy was going to be released today. Clearly he, he was not, he met with the media a little while ago. He is going to be the coach for the rest of the season. It's now impossible in, in my mind, unless he does something egregiously wrong. Let's back up. You thought last night he was going to get released. Today? I thought that this morning, early this morning, he would have a meeting with Ryan Pace and they were, they were going to release him. That was my gut feel. Oh, I never, never thought that. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you did. Why. I'll tell you why. Please do. Please do. Um, what's the season about now? Developing Justin Fields. That's right. Mm-hmm. And who has shown improvement over the uh, drastic improvement over the last couple of weeks? J- uh, Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. Has, but but okay. let let me but, let me. There's okay. a caveat to that. There's a caveat okay. to that. He Matt Nagy has now relinquished control over the play calling. Uh, the fact that when he was away because of COVID. 
Justin Fields showed his biggest jump at, in, in terms of development last last Don't week. Don't kid yourself that he wasn't involved that last week during COVID. Uh, Hell, he was at the hotel right down the street. Correct. And he was and he was on Zoom calls with everybody all day. But I think that the key thing, uh, uh, Greg, is that he wasn't at the game. He was not on the sidelines. All, all he had no, no I, you know, I'll, I'll during no, the game. I, I, I give you that, and I'm not so sure he didn't have any input during the game. But really, you never, hey. Well, who's he going to call? Who's he going to call? He's going to call down the, to the sideline? I don't believe that for a moment. Hey, I, 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 I wouldn't put it past anybody, any coach. Yeah. So, so what's he going to do? He's going to call and say, hey, in this next quarter, will you run more? I I, I just don't see that. No, he's, he, when he relinquished play calling duties, Bill Lazor calls the plays. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, now what, what Nagy is involved in is the game plan. What plays they're going to use? You see, you see the chart, the call sheet, mm-hmm. and and they're they're separated by down and distance. Bunch of plays for each, you know, scenario, and then, but it's, you know, laser that is the guy that determines which call. Now there was an interesting thing. I don't know if Greasy said it or Riddick said it. And and Riddick is really close with Nagy, by the way. Mm-hmm. We were all together in, in, in Philly, but uh, Riddick was with him for a long time. Okay. And so, you know, he's going to – Nagy's going to give Riddick probably more time than he's given any broadcaster all year, <laughs> probably combined. <laughs> You know, because they, they've got a relationship and they got a relationship that goes back years. You know, since since Matt came into the league, that's how long it is. Yeah. So but you know, now I lost my whole train of thought here. But there was you know, Laser said he's basically got when the one play is going on, he's thinking two separate plays now right. for the next one. Right. So, so which is good. He's he's setting up the defense. He's he's controlling what the defense well, is going to do. Well, it's not just that. It, 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 it's okay. Run play, pass play. But how am I going to use Justin on this particular thing? And he's thinking that out. Well, the one play's being run, and then you also got to think. You know, it's it's a tough job because you know if the play, you you know you you know what the play is that you just called. You think okay, we might get a 10, 12 yard gain out of this where am i going now we're going to have now we're going to have first and 10 on their 42 mm-hmm. you know and you only got a few seconds to figure this out it's not an easy job i i'm totally with you it's not an easy job but let me get back to my theory which is okay so we know that matt nagy is going to be the coach for the rest of the season at least right so oh, I, don't, I don't know that i mean did the bears announce that no, but it, it, given their history that they've never fired a coach midseason, it's unlikely now they would do it after the bye. If they do it after the bye, then it's really ridiculous. It's like, well, okay, what's going let's on? back up a little bit. The bye is so much different now than it used to be. Okay, where even four or five years ago, you had some practice time during the, the bye week. Now you don't. Players have off. That's right. 
That that's the new CBA. That's right. I, I mean, I th- there were days that I remember when I was with the Giants. Now this goes back a little bit. Dan Reese was the head coach, and the care he would dangle in front of the the players is no. Practice. You win that game. You win that game. Mm-hmm. You have off. Mm-hmm. You lose that game. We're practicing four days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that furthers my theory that because of the CBA, it's now highly, it's even more unlikely now that he will be fired after the bye. So I am, what I'm saying now is that perhaps the Chicago Bears management, McCaskey and Ted Phillips, they want to wait now till after the season to make any moves with the front office. And that would include Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. I don't know if I totally agree with you on that. I think, and, and here's why. And it's because of a new rule that just came into effect within the last About the two weeks, yeah. Okay, and that is you can start interviewing people with two weeks to go. Right, which is why I thought he was going to be fired today. Okay, so the – and you can't interview anybody unless you got an open job. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is why – there there is still (laughs) – no, but you got to do this. Who the hell is going to be – you know, you you can come up with a name, but – who do they trust to be the interim coach that's going to totally have the locker room for the final two weeks of the season? You know, and, and that that plays into it too. Yeah, I, I can only guess, but I think that there's two or three names that are would be likely candidates, and that's Chris Tabor because he coached the, the game uh, when they – Yeah, but that was totally different, really. He was special teams coach, and then he made, you know – he made game day decisions as far as timeouts and, and things like that. But during the week, he didn't do anything that was out of the ordinary for, for his job as, as special teams coordinator. Personally, I think the person that should do it is Patton. Right. I, I was going to include him on my list. Yeah. Uh, Mike, Mike Patton and, and Bill Lazor would be the three most obvious candidates. I got to push back a little bit on the Chris Tabor thing, because he said in his press conference that he was leading the meetings with, even though Matt Nagy was in attendance in Zoom, Chris Tabor had more responsibilities that week in leading so, so, some of the meetings. Right, so, but those team meetings are very small. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you, you a lot of times you'll start off the day with a team meeting and they don't last very long. They're mm-hmm. five, 10 minutes long. And then you break up into your individual meetings, O-line wide receiver, you know, offensive side, defensive side, etc. So the team meeting itself is not a real big deal. Was mm-hmm. there more for him to do? Did he have to do what he had to do in those things? Yes. But was it a, Huge change of responsibility, not my opinion. Mm-hmm. So my uh, my question now to you is, what? I don't I don't want you to speculate, but it, should we be surprised? I'll phrase the question this way: If the Chicago Bears make an overhaul of the general manager's job and the coach's job at the end of the season, if the team does not make the playoffs based on what George McCaskey said that we need to see progress. He said progress. He never said, he never used the term we need to make the playoffs. My opinion is that progress is what's going on with Justin Fields. 
only? I think that has probably 60, 65% of the equation. Okay. And I may, I may be totally wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm and like you do, and I'm throwing a dart at the wall. Okay, sure. But I think w- when they made that determination, now and and told you, uh, we said it on an earlier show, I, I have no idea if it's true or not, but I was told that people above said Fields is playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay, that wasn't necessarily a, a Matt Nagy decision when it was made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then once they made that determination, because you're going with an inexperienced quarterback, to me, record goes out the window. You're basically conceding that you're not going to make the playoffs. Right. And and I mean, how many games did Troy Aikman win as his rookie? Mm-hmm. I think one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're already ahead of that. That won three. So... You know, look at Peyton Manning. How many games did he win as a rookie? So now I think it becomes what happens to Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. And is he getting better on a weekly basis? Mm -hmm. And then when you you throw in the problems they've had with the offensive line, with the injuries, et cetera, I think that also is is part of the equation. And again, nobody's told me this. I'm just... You know, having been in the building, knowing some of the people involved, this is what my thought process is. And, and trust me, although, you know, going to and from getting that shot today, a lot of that is what I was thinking about, you know, saying, <laughs> sure. okay, what what's the future here? And it came up, and, I, and I, I'll bring up another thing. So I'm also listening to the radio, and I'm not going to say what station I was at, but they were talking about, you know, really hammering Nagy. We've seen enough of Nagy, yada, yada, yada. And, and he's got to go at the end of the season. This is why, why, why. And then they start talking about all the good plays that that Justin Fields made last week and then this week. Mm-hmm. And the progress he's shown, well, who the hell's a head coach mm-hmm. who's in charge of developing this guy? Mm-hmm. And again, I am not sticking up for Matt. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, to me, that whole conversation is contradictory mm-hmm. because they go hand in hand. I totally, totally agree that the head coach has a certain amount of, gets a certain amount of credit or blame on, on the quarterback's play. There, but what do you, there's a lot of people in the chat room saying, what about the lack of discipline on this team? Isn't that on Matt Nagy in part? I mean, you can't, you can't control players a hundred percent. I think it's on the whole staff. Which is under Matt Nagy's purview. True. True. But I think it's on the whole staff. And, and what I do when you have mental mistakes like that, I know what I do. Mm-hmm. I'd find people. Okay, this is your job. And if you're not going to perform your job the way it should be performed, then you either get cut or it costs you money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, that's strictly my opinion, but it, 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 you're well paid to play a game mm-hmm. and you're supposed to play it correctly and when you have 
a stupid penalty, a stupid offside, the lineup offsides, <laughs> and they're continual, then, you know, I, I, I to me, it's somebody got to get fined. And if it's a coach's fault, he's got to get fined. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Because it's gotten to the point now where it's ridiculous. So what's there left to do? You've got to, you know, um, enact some discipline some way. So I want to get back to the general manager uh, because one one of the things that we're seeing this season and and help me understand why this decision might have been made based on, on your experience. Cordero Patterson is having an outstanding season. He um, has in eight games, with the Falcons, he has 737 yards from scrimmage as a wide receiver or running back, and he has scored seven touchdowns in two seasons, 32 games with the Bears. And this does not include his punt and, and, and kickoff returns, but from the w- wide receiver and running back stats, he's got 550 yards in one touchdown. So he is probably going to triple, maybe quadruple the amount of stats he had with the Chicago Bears over two seasons. And Yet he's only making $1.7 million this season, and Jimmy Graham is making $9 million, none of it guaranteed. So they could have released Jimmy Graham and signed Cordero well, Patterson. They yeah, they could have. But now I, I'll say this in, in defense don't just look at the last two years. What's Cordell Patterson done his whole career? He, he, he has not had Thank those you. kind of Falcons Nothing. numbers, for sure. Nothing. Right. This is the first time, and he's played with three teams, at least three teams, maybe four, including, maybe played with Minnesota. Didn't he play for New England? Yes, he yeah. did. Minnesota, New England, the Raiders, the Bears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, did nothing. All four teams said after a period, nice guy, but, you know, we don't think he can do it. Now, if there's only one team and that team was the Bears, you'd have a point. Now, for whatever reason, it's all come together. And we see he's he's not the only example. You could find players all over that that you get for nothing or rarely or, you know, a very small sum of money as compared to others. And they just knock the ball out of the park. Who was who the corner? I can't remember the name. When uh, John Fox first came in, the veteran corner, he was playing, I think, on, and then he ended up being replaced by, by Kyle Fuller, I think. But, uh, and he might have been here before Fox, but, uh, you know, he had been with about five teams. Right, right. Didn't do anything. Right. And then he, had, he, he was like a, a Pro Bowl alternate for mm-hmm. a couple of years here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it just came together. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that happens a lot in the National Football League. But to indict, because you you not only have to indict the Bears, then you'd have to indict the Patriots. The Patriots were the ones that said, you know what, he might be best at running back. They were the first team to do that. No, I I don't I I don't agree with you, Greg. Respectfully, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Okay, I'll I'll tell you why. the Bears, it was, it was the Patriots first that put Cordero Patterson in a running back position right. and got – right. right. And then he comes to the Chicago Bears, and then slowly over time, they give him those same responsibilities. Meanwhile, Cordero Patterson is 
the best kickoff return. Uh, and and uh, went to the Pro Bowl, but he went to the Pro Bowl here. Right. And so he's doing that at a very high level of the special teams. It's not just returning kicks, but he's also a gunner. He is a an ace when it comes to special teams. Right. So when you now put him into the offense and the Falcons figure out a way to get better results than the Chicago Bears did. Now, I'll, I'll add this to it. Look at the salaries that Cordero Patterson signed. He signed a one-year, three million dollar contract with one point seven of that guarantee. He actually got he actually got a raise. He was making two million here. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I may be wrong, but I, I think, think he was, was making a, two million. I think it was a five million dollar contract, single seasons, uh, 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 single season contracts, five million each year. But nonetheless. Jimmy Graham is making $9 million with zero guarantee. Marquise Goodwin, who you can in essence say is now playing that backup wide receiver role that Cordero Patterson was signed to do when he first came to the Bears. He's making $1.2. Damir Bird is making $1.2. And then add to that that we traded, the Bears traded a six-round draft pick for Jakeem Grant to uh, run back kicks. To me... That is exhibit 53 out of why Ryan Pace deserves to be released from the general manager position and, because and he's bungling this. You, you got a point, but, you know, the, the, there's players, and I'll go back to Patterson basically doing nothing at four other stops. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, he, he got to the Pro Bowl twice here. Okay, was he a and and they tried to make him a part of the offense as a running back. He did play some wide receiver. You know, you and I would have to be at practice every day and sit in a sure. meeting room to find out why he was not a bigger part of in, in the wide receiver room as a receiver for the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't remember what his stats are. But he wasn't an integral. He wasn't an integral part of of the team. Now, last year, I think there was a big surprise that happened, and that Mooney came on. I don't think they expected anything out of Mooney as a rookie. He was a fifth round pick. Right. Okay. So that probably had a little bit to do with it. What happened at Atlanta? Who'd they lose from last year? Um, oh, uh, Julio Jones. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and, okay. And, so, I mean, everything, you know, it, it, I, I've been seeing this argument going on for, you know, six <laughs> weeks and, you know, the, the, there's reasons for everything. I, I, I don't get all excited about it because it's all after the fact. Oh yeah. I, 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 yeah. And, you know, you know, and, and, and I'm man. just trying to be level-headed that's all i'm not trying to stick up for anybody i'm no, just I, trying to be i appreciate level-headed about it and, and and just say wait a minute Let, let's break it down mm-hmm. and, and find out now there's things i don't have the answer to you don't have the answer to i just don't know absolutely not I don't, we you know what if they, the if they wanted him back they could have brought him back they let him leave right and uh they allowed dave ragone to leave who by the way is now the offensive coordinator for those same falcons and perhaps he well they weren't going to make him the coordinator so you got you got to let him leave yeah but the but my point is is perhaps ragone had some ideas on how to better implement 
Cordero Patterson into the offense. He seems to have them in Atlanta. Why aren't they? Why why weren't they? Those ideas perhaps being used in Chicago. And again, I'm totally speculating. I wasn't there. I don't yeah, know. I, I can't answer that. You can't answer that. None mm-hmm. of us can answer that. Ragone was a big part of that coaching staff. Quarterback you know, he was coach like, for three, four years. Yeah. Yeah. He he was like the confidant of of Mitch. Mm-hmm. Worked very very closely with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then he left. So, and I think he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he might have been had the title last year, passing game coordinator, even though he wasn't the. That's correct. Yes, he did. Even though he wasn't the offensive part of that's to get you more money, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Up, up the title and you get more money. Right. It's like executive producers on, on movies. You see, you know, uh, Joe Blow's executive producer. He's one of the the actors, but the only reason he's an executive producer is so they can pay him more money. Yeah, I get that. So when right. I was with the Giants, I got a title, but I didn't get any more money. <laughs> George said that's a lieu of. <laughs> That's funny. What's well, good on your resume? <laughs> um, I want to. I want to get your thoughts on the uh, progression that Justin Fields showed uh, last night. Uh, the, uh, on the screen, we got two of his better throws. This one to a Rob was just magical. Yep. Just drops it in the bucket. It was reminiscent of the Trubisky throw to a Rob in that Philadelphia playoff game. Yeah. No. I, I, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to say well above average on the deep ball, mm-hmm. you know, for the, for the last month, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's, uh, what I like is that, or, or, or no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. My question is what has taken laser so long to start calling these plays? Well, I think, I think th- these plays were called in Cleveland, but the, look at the offensive line here. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing the job. Uh, these, I think this exact play, I was in Cleveland. I saw this exact play called, but the offensive line could not contain Miles Garrett. Everyone did their job there on the offensive line. And I'll say, you know, Borum struggled a little bit with, with Watt. Mm-hmm. Anyone would, right? <laughs> Yeah, anybody would. One of those, one of the sacks was not on Borum at all because Borum was blocking down mm-hmm. and Watt came free. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody blocked him. Uh, but there was another time where he got he, he got flat out beat. But I think overall, just look at that play. His progress, he's pushing him out and around. You know, that that was uh, a great time. Excellent job. Or a great play, and, and 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 Fields had a very clean pocket in which to make that throw. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you want to make one criticism of it, um, A. Rob shouldn't have stepped out of bounds. Right. But that's a bigger, as good as that last throw was. That mm-hmm. throw is a better throw. It's amazing, isn't it? Take that, us through it. Well, when you're, you're you're rolling out to your left, so you're going against your body, mm-hmm. and you still got to. Square your shoulders and get your feet right. And and a lot of times it's more arm than anything else on a throw like that because you are going against your body, so to speak, and you're throwing mm-hmm. across your body. That's a really hard throw to make. And he's done it two weeks in a row now. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, and to put it right there, and an excellent job by Mooney to get both feet in bounds. I thought yep. it was out of bounds until I saw this replay right here. Boom right. and boom. Great throw. And as you say, 
what, what, what's 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 really awesome about this throw is the way he squares up his shoulders, and he does this religiously when he rolls out to his left. He sets his shoulders and and his feet properly, which is something I hate to I hate to say this. I know Mike North might be listening. He's gonna he's gonna get angry at me, but Mitchell failed to have these mechanics when rolling to his left. He he he's got to give up the ship on that one. <laughs> And you could tell Mike I said that. Okay, I'm going to play this to play this for him. You know, it, it's time to abandon ship, Mike. <laughs> and, and until until he proves otherwise, and and, and he may. I mean, yes. all he did was have really one game in the, in the preseason, and that was against the Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know if that makes him some money for next year. What'll be interesting is do they try to re-sign him? Mm-hmm. Does he want to re-sign? Mm-hmm. Or is he going to go somewhere else? And and that'll be one of the interesting topics just to watch during the, the whole offseason period. It's going to be fascinating because I think there are going to be some teams that are going to be intrigued by Mitchell Trubisky and will want him in camp to battle for the number one position or be in such a uh, terrible quarterback situation that they will virtually promise Trubisky the starting job. And so he just has to go to a place that can utilize his skills and figure out a way to disguise his deficiencies, right or wrong? No, I, I, Hey, there's not a quarterback in the league that doesn't have, unless you're Aaron Rodgers uh, or Tom Brady, that doesn't doesn't have a a weakness. Yeah. Yeah. You, You know, they all got a weak part of their game and, and you try to, either cover those up or, or not call plays that are going to, you know, point out his, his weak spots. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to play to his strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, when quarterbacks have their pro day mm-hmm. and their guru does it, it's all geared to play to his strengths. Yeah. They don't show a thing that's a weakness. Right. Another thing that I'd love to to get your input on is the wildcat that the Chicago Bears used yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen in the NFL a team use it as effectively as the Bears did, at least recently, you know, because the wildcat was in vogue a few years ago and then kind of went away. And yeah, but they've been using it the last two years with Montgomery. Okay, okay. So, I mean, I thought it, it ran to perfection last night. You know, and and I'm sure you know this, but in case you know, he was a quarterback in high school. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, okay. I, yeah. I I don't know if he can throw the ball or he throws a you know like an end over end kickoff. I have mm-hmm. no idea. I'd like to see him throw a pass, just so the defense knows he can do it. Yes. And uh, it just in the fantasy department, and I don't mean fantasy football, but my my fantasy dreams of, of football excellence, I would love for Justin Fields to go on a go route down the sideline and Montgomery to heave it to him. Because a lot of times you just see, you know, a, 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 a safety, somebody that Justin Fields can easily outrun. And if Montgomery can heave it that far, he, that might be a, a really beautiful play. Well, none of, none of us know, how, you know, how well or how poorly he can throw a ball. Yeah. I just know that he was a quarterback for his entire high school career. Mm-hmm. And he didn't become a running back until he went to Iowa State. Mm-hmm. So, but to what you said, you'd want to see Justin Fields, you know, go long or something. I think my thinking is that you got to disguise it in a way 
where if it's not field, it's somebody comes totally free. Okay. Okay. Well, we've seen some of these plays where, you know, all your, your action say is going to the left mm-hmm. and you got a tight end or a wing who's lined up on the left and he starts with a block and then he sneaks across to the other side of the field mm-hmm. and he's all by himself. Mm, okay. You know, on some of these trick plays. So you'd want to do, you know, something more like that, but with fields, what's going to make it difficult is there's not a person in the world that doesn't know his athleticism. Yeah. Right. So if he's, <laughs> you know, they go into practice and they see him split out, Mm-hmm. There's somebody's going to be on his ass. Yeah, right. Speaking of uh, Fields' athleticism, how concerned are you at the amount of hits he's getting? Like yesterday, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick gave him a heck of a wallop out of uh, out of bounds. Well, uh, he wasn't out of bounds. He, he, he landed out of bounds. They got a couple cheap ones too that should have been penalties. Indeed, indeed. In fact, in that one drive, the the, the same drive that that Daniels got the play on, mm-hmm. he, he got a late hit. Yep, should have been a first and goal. Should have right. been a you know a half the distance penalty. Mm-hmm. And, and a uh, it, I don't know if it was the next play after the Daniels or two plays after. But the ball should have gone to they were at the I think about the 13 yard line from the original penalty from Daniels. It should have gone to the six mm-hmm. and and been first and goal again. First and goal, yes, exactly. One oh my I God. mean that one wasn't even close. <laughs> exactly. And he was asked about that. I should have pulled the clip, but Justin Fields after the game was asked about that, and he said well, it's funny because Joe Burrow talked about this recently that he didn't get the calls. And Joe said that at, there will be a certain point, part in my career where I will start to get those calls like Brady and Rodgers do. And so I just, I guess he said, I just have to wait my turn, which is a really, a really uh, mature thing to say. But I hate the fact that certain players get preference in the play. No, of- I, I- I agree. I totally agree with you. And, um, you know, it's like the NBA. Yes. You know, LeBron gets the calls, but the rookie doesn't. Right. Well, to me, that's bullshit. Exactly. Everybody's, everybody's equal. Right. Everyone wears a uniform. Everyone, you shouldn't even be paying attention to the name on the back of the uniform. That's right. But the one play, there was two that you could have called on the same series. Mm Mm-hmm. But that one play was there was a good second, if not more, between the time the ball was out of his hand and he got hit. We've seen penalties being called, not just in Bears games, but in several NFL games, where it's been a lot less and the flag has gone down for roughing the passer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Robin- I just think, you know, I, I hate to say it. But I, I, in fact, on, on that website, I hate. I hate. They even had it in in, in the headline that, that the, the yells for the fixes in was coming out. Yeah. For the, 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 I mean, and, and they hate the Bears too. So yes, when, when when they when you start seeing stuff like that, I'll tell you, you gotta wonder. Yep. Um, I agree with one beer man 34 at the end of the day, gentlemen, this is the root of the problem with officiating in pro sports. Well, I don't agree with this. I I don't think that there is widespread corruption. We know that in the the NBA, Tim Donaghy was convicted 
of uh, fixing games. I don't, I don't, I, I, I hope that that's not happening in the NFL, but boy, last night really makes you pause to wonder, right? Well, again, I'm going to go to what I said at the beginning of the show. When you see bad calls on both sides, mm-hmm. then it becomes equal. It becomes fair mm-hmm. and you live with it. Mm-hmm. But this one was totally one-sided. Mm-hmm. Roger, and, and that part, that part I, I can't tolerate. Roger Goodell uh, brings you into his office and he says, how do we fix this problem? You've got a lot of experience in, le- in the league. I, re- I respect your opinion. How do I, I, I fix this problem with the officiating in the NFL, which is really hurting the brand? Yeah, you may have a point that you got to hire full-time officials. Now, I, I I know this. They there was talk, and then they did away with it. And it goes back maybe only two years ago that there were going to be some full-time officials. Yeah, maybe I remember like, that. Maybe about half the crew. Correct. Okay, or or a third of the crew. Mm-hmm. Even if you do that, you improve the quality of the officiating. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We were talking a little bit before. You make a mistake. You, you know, my belief is you should get fined. Why can't those bastards get fined? Mm-hmm. You know, especially if it's a horrible call. Now, they get graded. Right. And I guarantee you, you won't see that people from that crew in a playoff game. Not after last night's game. I'll be shocked if, if, if because they're going to get killed by the league office when it comes to grading that game. Yeah. We probably won't see them being given many playoff games, if any at all. Although no, I, w- I would say they're not going to get a playoff game. Now th- th- they split up the crews a lot in the playoffs. Right. But I'm, I'm talking about the head ref. Right. And stuff. And he, but, and, or, and whoever was responsible for, for some of these calls, whoever called that, uh, that flag, and I don't know who it was on Daniels. Mm-hmm. That's a mark against him. That was a poor call. Yep, indeed. I mean, a fan the interference from- call on on Johnson. Poor call. Right, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, another grievance that I have is the the official comes out, the head ref comes out and answers three or four, five, six questions from a pool reporter. Last night it was Adam Hogue of uh, of WGN, and I believe he's he's also at the Athletic. And so he asked them about those calls. And so the, the responses to me didn't make any sense. For instance, in the taunting call, he said, I felt that he was making a, 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 a I don't remember the exact word, but a, an aggressive position towards the sideline. You felt? What do you mean you felt? You should either that, know that, or that, not. Then it becomes very, very subjective. Very subjective. I mean, he's got his back to him. Uh, yeah, he took three or four steps towards the sideline, but all of the players that were coming out of the sideline for the Steelers, they were ignoring him. They weren't even looking. It wasn't like they he were. He wasn't looking at the punter, and the punter wasn't looking at him. <laughs> the punter didn't care. It's like, and I he was I... the first guy coming out. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, regarding that penalty, the official said, I was the one responsible for for making that call. And I believe that he blocked them outside the tackle box. What Adam Hogue didn't follow up with, and maybe he did, but it wasn't in the trans- transcript, was he didn't even touch him, Mr. Referee. Right, right. that was it. He missed the block. Missed the block. <laughs> it, that, that, I mean, that was like, you know, it was a baseball game, strike one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Swing and miss, baby. 
<laughs> That's exactly right. Oh goodness. So um where did the bear well, I'll tell you this now that the the same guy, he was uh -huh. responsible for the for the no roughing the passer calls. Yeah, that's right. Somebody mentioned that's that in the his chat. call. The Saints. Why is this guy still employed? <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to say how much money he had on the game. <laughs> I don't know. What was the spread? Oh, last night, I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, I think he won. <laughs> I think it was, wasn't it five or something like that? I, you know, I you'd have to look it up. Oh, but, gosh. I'm, I'm losing too much money at betting, so I've given it up. I, I, I you know, I stopped <laughs> betting the day I started working full time in the league. <laughs> there you go. Good call. I, number one, you weren't allowed to. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't about to lose my job. Yes, for something. And then my my wife, my ex wife, mm -hmm. she um, used to play, you know, the 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 parlays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so she was still doing. It. I go, I don't want to know about it. Don't even bring them in the house. Mm -hmm. Do it at work. Do it at work. Don't tell me about it. Don't show me a slip. Just <laughs> leave it alone. Interesting. Tigger says that the spread was 5.5, so it's interesting. Uh, well, then he lost anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I hope he lost everything. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, if, he, if he was taking the points, the, the calls might have gone the other way. That's awful. <laughs> I mean, somebody might sue us for, for We're just joking. We're having some fun. We don't know anything about anyone. <laughs> but it is, it is relative to conversation and only because – Basically, in the league, the gambling was illegal with anything, you know, within the league three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And now you've got gambling companies and casinos and whatever online uh, betting things are they're becoming sponsors. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Got, well, and now that you mentioned that, it brings to mind the situation that's happening with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, terrible uh, situation with uh, Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver. Uh, he's going to spend some time in jail, a long time. There's no, there's no question that he's going to spend time. Did you see the one video that was that was uh, posted? It was just from a surveillance camera at some <laughs> corner, and it showed like, two cars it was I did like not you know going that. like this two cars go by the intersection like this and then a couple seconds later here comes the corvette oh my goodness oh it was like a rocket ship oh my goodness it's... and this was only a few seconds before like a like a block or two away from where, where the accident occurred and but just when you look at you know two cars going the speed limit and i don't know what the hell the speed limit was on that particular highway but then you see his car. He was at least four times faster than the speed limit. And they wow. said he was going maximum 156 miles an hour. Wow. That's that's just so sad. Not 156 <clears throat> when he made contact, you know, for the crash. But previously, now how they came up with that, that figure, I don't know. But that was the figure, 156 miles an hour. Mm. So we learned yesterday that the Raiders have cut their 2020 first round draft pick cornerback Damon Arnett because of a video where he was making death threats and holding a a weapon. So yeah, that's pretty stupid. What the heck? Somebody is ought to somebody ought to you know investigate his brain. 
Yeah, yeah, that 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 is for sure. He may need some help. Uh, but Mike Mayock uh, took full responsibility. He drafted those guys. And then I saw something that I thought was interesting. I wanted your opinion on is that uh, somebody was saying, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of sports organizations don't want a team in Las Vegas is because there's so much temptation, you know, temptation with that bad crowds, uh, casinos, unsavory women. And it just adds to the temptation to go out there and get drunk and drive 165 miles an hour and maybe brandish a weapon on a video or something like that. Do you buy into that at all? Do you think that sin city is, is too, is, is filled with too much sin for professional sports? You know, I, I, I'm going to tell you no. And, I'll, and here's why they got another professional team there, the hockey team. And as far as I know, I could be way off base here. As far as I know, there hasn't been an issue with them at all. Yeah, they won a championship on their expansion year, their very first year. <laughs> you know, you know. So, professional team, and 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 a lot of these guys playing hockey are a lot less educated than the guys playing football. Yes, that's very true. They get drafted when they're eighteen years old. Right, right. Well, um, where do the Bears go from here? They've got this bye week. Um, there's no practicing going on. I think they, they'll have a meeting with the players either today or tomorrow, and then uh, away they go until next week. Uh, the coaching staff, I assume, is going to get a few days off, and then they'll get back together again and strategize for the Ravens game. Yeah, I would assume the staff's going to get the weekend off, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. be back in Monday. Uh, the two things will be going on. They'll be doing some self-scouting, which is always going on during the year. But they're going to, you know, they may go through the playbook. Mm-hmm. And and this happens a lot where, you know, you're going to go through down and distance situations and you're going to say, let's eliminate this, eliminate, you know, we haven't had success with this. Throw it out of the playbook. Um, and and could add some stuff too. Plus they go through the tendencies and, and, and your, your assistant assistant coaches, for lack of a better word, GAs, uh, or offensive assistant, they're the guys that are looking at the tendencies. Okay. Okay. And and then are we being – they're almost looking at, at their own team like they're an opponent. You know, you follow what I'm saying there? Yes, and, sure. and so you want to really get rid of any tendencies that you may have, get rid of bad plays that you may have. Uh, and, and so it's basically just a – um, it's the best way to describe that, but just going through everything that you've done up to this point, and it, it's a good time for the bye because it's relatively mid-season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah. perfect time. <clears throat> yeah, and so you can then make plans for what you're going to do for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's it's fair to say that that Matt knows he's got the gun to his head. I think you can see just the look on his face. Oh my gosh, uh, Greg, you, you aren't kidding. He looks like a, a defeated man. You know, so I, I I think that, you know, so I understand what you're saying. I, I never thought, if they would have got blown out yesterday, mm-hmm. I would have thought, you know, maybe there was a chance, but they didn't. The team has not quit on him yet. And to me, that's the telltale sign. When they stop playing for the coaches, mm-hmm. it's 
right. to make the move. Right, exactly. That that is that is without a doubt true. But uh, Brummy Bear is asking about a lot of the injury issues, and and w- w- the Bears have not informed the media about Khalil Mack's status, uh, about Tariq Cohen's status, and about Tevin Jenkins. But it was encouraging to see Tevin Jenkins out on the field doing some drills before the Steelers game. He traveled with the team. He was moving around, doing some uh, just uh, uh, drills with his coach, not with the other players. And so that has to be encouraging that he might be activated because uh, uh, there's a three-week window. Explain that to us. If he's activated, there's a three-week window where he can practice, and then they make a determination on him. Okay, they, they, they do exactly what they did with Montgomery this week. Okay, okay. You know, And it's part of the waiver wire process. You turn in uh, designated to return, begin practice window. Mm-hmm. And then you've got – three weeks from that day to make a determination whether you're going to activate them or put them on IR for the rest of the year. Once you put it, if, if you decide not to activate them and you put them on IR for the rest of the year, then his practice days are done, done. on this particular day. So he's getting those three days, but yes, it is encouraging that he is working you know, a lot, a lot of guys that, that are going to be inactive guys, they will do some stuff on the field before the team comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it's just to, to stay in condition. And, and a good part of the time, it's with the strength and conditioning coaches, not mm-hmm. necessarily a position coach. The fact that he's doing it with a, a, a position coach, mm-hmm. uh, and who knows if it was Juan or, or Rayola that was – you know, working with them. Cause I didn't, I personally did not see that part. Yeah. I didn't either. Um, but that, that part is encouraging. I felt all along, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what kind of surgery he had, but I thought it would be around this time that he'd be brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, but do they put him in, and bench Peters, I, I I just don't know that. I mean, they made that call with Borum though, but Borum had a preseason, right, right, okay. And I, I think Borum's got a really bright future. I think that where they get him in the fifth round, fifth round, yep. fifth round, that's a steal. That is, you get you get a tackle like that in the fifth round, and and they had said they had a second round grade on him. Mm-hmm. Now you look at him in, in on Missouri tape. He was heavy, you know, and he, he he moves around a lot better now. He's a good thirty pounds lighter than he was at Missouri last year. This, he was playing three fifty to three sixty. I think that's they an, got him lifted. They got him listed at three thirty two. He isn't three thirty two. Oh. Probably three twenty to three twenty five. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important part of why he is playing so much better. I mean, the guy has really dedicated himself to getting in shape and kudos to the, to, to those scouts who detected that this guy, if he got in shape and learned and, and bettered his technique, he could be a, a, a steal. And, and that's exactly what he's proving to be. So well, far. they said now, correct me if I'm wrong here, that it was really the pro day that, sort of got him jumping on the table. That's correct. He lost the weight getting ready for the pro day. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, really knocked it out of the park as far as doing the different drills, you know, and and they just saw a huge increase in athleticism. And really that's just 
the loss of all that that body fat, that extra weight. So he's, mm-hmm. he's going to move better. But he's got movement skills to play left tackle. So if, if you can get two left tackles playing in the game, mm-hmm. you know, that's a win. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because you're on the way the game's played right now, you're on an island so much that, you know, how often do you get tight end help or a back chipping? Because they all want to send everybody and the mother out in the pass route. Exactly. Exactly. The the better tackles you have, the better off the team is. But I think, you know, we're going to see Jenkins before the year's out unless, you know, something unforeseen happens with his back and it's not, not quite ready yet. But Mm -hmm. it is from what we've seen so far, uh, you know, when when practice begins, there are two hour practices every day begin. He cannot partake in that part of practice. He's got to do it pre and post. Right. And both of those guys have experience at playing the guard position. So if necessary, Jenkins and or uh, Borum could move to the guard position if that was a need. And I'm just speculating because Cody Whitehair has a potential out on his contract the left guard, Cody Whitehair, and so they may want to take a look at one of these guys at the left guard position. We don't know, but I'm just speculating there. No, and, and, and that's a good point. I never thought about that. It could be injury, too. Mm-hmm. Somebody exactly. could go down, and then you say, you know what, let's put him in. Yep. And, uh, you know, I know, I know we um, – was it my second last draft? It was 99, I think, or 2000 we drafted – Luke Pettigrew in the first round from Notre Dame to be a tackle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a rookie, he played guard. Then we moved him outside. And and that's not uncommon in the league. Mm-hmm. Just to get guys on the field so that they get that, that game day experience. Mm-hmm. And then you use the following year to get them ready to play at, at, at the tackle position. Mm-hmm. Toa has a question I'd love uh, to get your answer on. He asks, is cornerback then safety the biggest need going into next year's draft? And I'll add to that, I think that because the league has become such a passing league that, you know, having great defenders in the back end of your defense, the safeties and corners, as the, 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 the value of those guys has grown exponentially. It's almost more important to have great guys that can cover than to have premier pass rushers because those premier pass rushers don't have any time to get to the quarterback. The ball's coming out so quickly. What do you think? Well, the key to how valuable a position is to see how much money they make in free agency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who makes money and who doesn't? <laughs> okay, corners make a lot of freaking money. Mm-hmm. Good ones. And and so you that's a premium position. Mm-hmm. Now this year you got to a safety from Notre Dame that a lot of people got going, you know, as a potential top five in the last 12 years, last 12 drafts, there's only been one safety that's gone in the top five. And that was 12 years ago. Hmm. That was Eric Berry to the chiefs, 2009 or 2010. And he's the only one. Mm -hmm. So it's not a premier draft position a lot of times you can get a guy a little bit lower Mm -hmm. because of the the value of the position Mm -hmm. and really that's the best way to 
to say it, and that's not taking anything away from the player. Right. Uh, but, you know, teams are saying, well, there's five pretty good safeties in this draft, so we got to use the fifth pick in the draft on a safety. Mm-hmm. When I can come back and get one, not one pretty good in the second round, but not as good as this guy, but I can get another good player and I, I can kill two things. So, you know, teams think that way too. Yeah. Last question. I, I know I've kept you over here. Um, oh, that's all right. Uh, thank you. I appreciate well, I it. An hour and a half. Um, Do I get overtime? Absolutely. Time and a half? <laughs> the text- One and a half times zero equals zero. <laughs> <laughs> I was really impressed with the play of James Daniels and I saw him standing up a lot and it was obvious why he was standing up a lot. He was calling out the signals. He's taking that over from Sam Mustafer. What do you think about perhaps moving him back to the center position, given his strength and his power, uh, which is a weakness for Mustafer? You know, it, it, it's not going to happen this year. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. But, it, but it could happen next year in training mm-hmm. camp. I mean, that would be something that you do during the off season and then he'd have the entire off season program and then training camp to work at it. Mm-hmm. But then you got to have somebody go into the guard position. Um, and, and, and is that somebody that's currently here? Or is it somebody like bars? Bars has surprised me. Bars is, is actually a better pro than I ever would have thought because he only played five games his final year at Notre Dame before he tore up his knee, tore an ACL. Mm-hmm. But that year before, mm-hmm. so his junior year at Notre Dame, he did not have a good year. And, and, and part of it was his lower body strength wasn't anywhere close to what it is right now. Okay. And he would play top heavy. He'd overextend. He'd be on the ground a lot. And, you know, I, I know what they got to list today. What do they got to list? Like 315 or something like that? Correct, yeah. That's, that guy's 330 if he's a pound. <laughs> that is a big man. Mm-hmm. And he is so much stronger than he ever was in college. And he's gotten bigger and stronger since he's been here, which is a, a credit to him. You know, when, when you get those kind of gains, yeah, part of it's on, on, on the strength and fitness staff, but Players got to buy in, and the players got to do it. He's got to do the work, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, he could be a guy. But let's go back to that one question. The guy said, you know, need for next year's draft. Mm-hmm. Throw out the draft. Number one, they don't have a first round pick. Oh my gosh, that's right. Okay, but it's a combination of draft and free agency. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's this is the needs, and what the front office is going to do between your, your college staff, the general manager and your pro staff is what can we get in free agency? What can we get in the draft? And and you got to know what the strengths of the draft is. And you got to know what the strengths and weaknesses of free agency is. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to do some talking to agents. What's it going to cost me to get such and such player. And you're not getting into, to, real hard specifics, but ranges, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and find out and you say, oh, then you're going to make a determination because the, the draft is really a result of what you did in free agency. You got, you know, you got two ways of, of acquiring players, mm-hmm. veteran free agency and the draft. 
You fill needs both ways, and you got to have them work together. Okay. Well, I'm taking a look at the uh, free agents for safeties. You got you got guys like Tyron Tyron Matthew, uh, Devin McCourty, who I think I, no, I would. I mean, Tyron Matthews as old as me. I, I... he'll be 30 next season. <laughs> Devin McCourty is as old as you. He's going to be 35 next season. Yeah, he's half my age. <laughs> um, uh anthony harris he's 30 years old he's moved around the league a bit uh jabril peppers is an interesting name 26 years old with the giants what do you know about jabril peppers hot and cold yeah no he'll knock your socks off Mm -hmm. to me he's a strong safety Mm -hmm. okay he's almost like a box safety you gotta have in today's game you gotta have safeties that can cover and that's one of the reasons why Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame is liked so much because he can cover like a corner. Mm-hmm. And if you, you got to have that, that helps your, your coverage so much. So it, it, to me, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you wanted those bangers. In fact, they were in vogue. If you could get a six, three, 225 pound strong safety and play them up near the box because mm-hmm. the run game was a lot more prevalent then. Mm-hmm. Then you went out and got that kind of guy. Now you're seeing that guy's a safe or a linebacker now, because mm-hmm. you know for the most part your linebackers are a lot smaller. Yeah, exactly. They're swift, swifter, and smaller. You know, they're all Roquan Smith types of guys. Right. Oh, Roquan had a heck of a game last night, didn't he? I thought he played really well. Yeah. Yeah. So did Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman had the Eddie best Goldman game this had The best game. Well, because he didn't play, you know, last year, best game in two years. Yeah, he really, really showed up to play. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he perhaps is finally getting in shape. You know, he's well, had I don't know if he wasn't in shape, but it's it's game shape and it's it's timing. Yeah. You know, and, and use of hands, there's a lot. Of, it's always the sum of the parts mm-hmm. and it's getting all the parts together. Yeah. And, and, and the right working there. I, you know, I, I, I've said it before. I think A-Rob and, and Hicks aren't going to be here next year. And Hicks, because he's just not durable anymore. And he missed yeah. half the game yesterday. Yeah, so sad. You know, and, and he's getting up in age. What's he, 32 now, 33 now? 32. Okay, so are you going to pay this guy what you got to pay him mm-hmm. to bring him back when you've got a lot of things you got to take care of? Right. And even if you were to shut him down for the rest of the season i don't think i don't that, think you'd do that why if, especially if you're not going to bring him back why would you shut him down yeah oh, oh yeah get every, had, get every ounce you can out of him yeah i had this talk with uh, uh john buffon I, I i was asking do you think it's a good idea to shut down khalil mack this was the week before he got injured he goes no nah, it's ridiculous he's paid to play blah 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 and then he gets injured the next week and now we don't know how long he's going to be out uh, I, I think he'll play against because he got two weeks now till the next game mm-hmm. so then he'll be out a total of four weeks right okay so let's hope we see and him. i think that's why they didn't put him on ir because mm-hmm. if you go on ir you got to miss three games Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they had the bye week there. Mm-hmm. The bye week didn't mean anything for IR. Right. You still would have had to miss the next game. Right, right. 
Well, you know, and the NBA has made famous the term load management, which is, you know, you manage the amount of minutes and games that players play. And and we're seeing that in the NFL in terms of practice. Like a, a, a Khalil Mack or veterans will not practice any day of the week except Friday when they go through the final install. And so I, I think load management is going to make its appearance into certain games too, but they're just going to give veterans because it's a 17 game season. It's longer than it's ever been before. And, and some it's coaches like, are going to like a pitch count with pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And, and, and that's, you got to know your player and you got to trust your player that he's being totally honest with you. You know, Khalil Mack might not be practicing. I guarantee he's on a bike for 45 minutes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's not that he's not doing anything. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things that the linebackers coach revealed, and this was three weeks ago, was that Khalil is doing more mental and visualization reps than he's ever done in his career, which is, I, I thought it was kind of a, 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 a subtle jab at Khalil, saying that when he's not practicing, he's just not really focused on football. But now when he's not practicing, he is focused on football because he's doing these mental reps. And I think there's a lot of value on, in, in that. You know, Playing the game in your mind can really help you when you start to play the, the actual oh, game. I, I, I think a lot of good players, that they do that. If you want to be that, – that's how you become good. Yep. And then I agree. You become better, and, and and you know it, it's it's not just the physical reps; it's the mental reps. Right. And the mental reps sometimes are more important because you're drawing up in your mind your game plan. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then when you're watching tape of your next opponent, and let's say you know he lines up predominantly on the left side, so he's going against the right tackle. You know, you're really studying that what his movement skills are mm -hmm. what does he do good what does he do bad how does he get beat you're watching him how he gets beat i i if if it was me i put a reel on every play he got beat together mm. you know and and see so then and see if you can find some common denominators and why the guy gets beat and that's how i'd attack him yeah I, I remember when I was a kid, I read uh, Bill Russell's autobiography, and he talked about when he was on those long bus rides from Boston to New York and, and Philadelphia to play games, that's what he would do on the bus is just go through mental reps. And he really, really uh, underlined how that helped his playing career. Of course, he's a great NBA Hall of Famer now. Greg, you're a Hall of Famer too in my book. Uh this has wow. been fun, man. I uh, I can talk to you for days. Now, listen, next week, I'm going to be in Galena on Monday uh, and Tuesday. Actually, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Oh, you're taking a, you're taking a week off because it's I, a bye week? I, <laughs> only the because my, my, my wife is looking at me now. You better not change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> She's forcing me away. So if you want to do a show next week, let's do it in the yeah, middle well, of the week. Yeah, we'll do we'll do something. We'll figure it out. All right, uh, you're you're the best. Let's kind of plan. Let's just kind of plan it on the on the fly, and then, um, you know, we might know. I'll tell you what might be a good idea is mm -hmm. wait till after they have a day of practice anyway. So love you know, it. Say Thursday or Friday or something, where we can start to see. You know, maybe Jenkins has been brought up to to at least practice mm -hmm. uh see if mac is practicing um see if uh jackson's practicing you know, you know hamstrings 
To me, that looked like a bad pull. That looked like a four-week injury to me when he did that. Yeah. It looked like a bad pull. Um, and hamstrings can take a long time. So I think he could be out a while. But, you know, the way medicine is now, you never know. I mean, guys can some guys come back faster than others. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Let's hope he comes back faster than others. Um, that's our show for tonight. I'll just let people know that I'll be back here in this chair later tonight with Dan Aguirre. We're going to have our uh, adult fun and throw around F-bombs and uh, and fart jokes and stuff like that. So if you're into that kind of stuff, <laughs> join us here at 7.30 p.m. Central. Dan Aguirre, who was at the Pittsburgh game, so we'll get his firsthand take on the game. Greg, you're the best again, and uh, we'll see you next week, but we'll be in touch uh, prior to that. Okay, brother? Sounds good. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.